0: it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Enjoy the episode.
1: Welcome to the Heat vs. the
0: World podcast. And now,
2: stand and make some noise for your host, Joe
3: Jacob!
0: What's up, Heat Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joel Jacob, and you can follow me on Twitter at JoelKJacob underscore. Without further delay, let's meet today's correspondents. First, we got Kristen.
4: Hey, guys. What's going on?
0: We got Anthony. What's going on, everybody? We got Orchard. What's up, all? And last but not least, George.
2: Yo, what's up, guys?
0: All right. So to start it off, let's talk about this recent win for the Heat against the Raptors as Miami added on to their win streak on the second night of a back to back. Although Jimmy Deadman, Gabe PJ, and Coach Spo were all out for this game, the Heat were able to take care of business in what ended up being an emotional night for Kyle Lowry as he finally played his first game in Toronto since leaving the Raptors this past offseason. Leading the way, you got Max Drews with 23 points and seven three-pointers, Victor Oladipo, yes, that's right, the man himself, Victor, with 21 points, six threes of his own, along with four assists and two steals. Tyler Hero with 18 points, nine rebounds and eight assists. Kyle Lowry with 16 points, 10 assists and six rebounds. Bam Adebayo with 16 points and nine rebounds. And last but not least, Markeith Morris with 10 points, four assists, three rebounds and three steals. When looking back at this game, there's so much that one can talk about, whether if it's Victor finally having his biggest game of the season for the Heat, Chris Quinn getting his first win as an NBA coach, or Miami continuing to heat up as the playoffs draw near. With all that being said, what's everyone's reaction to this win for the Heat? Start us off, George.
2: Yeah, this is a massive win for for Miami as a whole because we had so many great talking points, so many great performers through the whole thing. It was it was a consistent win. Um and not having the plays that we we usually have, we would um we usually usually struggle a lot in these matches, but watching Victor take the step forward um off the bench and then take that game Vincent role has really been um a challenge for him. It really, really has. But anytime you go six and nine from three, it doesn't matter who you are, that's a that's that's a really really good night for, for Victor, who's never been um an amazing and proficient shooter that we um, that we expect from him. Just you know, it's 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 difficult, it's difficult to put a a value on him. But when he plays like this, I think it's extremely um, you know, it's crucial for us. It gives us more depth. It gives us um, it gives expulsion the the right kind of headaches. Trying to fit him into the rotation, but. Even having Tyler, who at 189 and 8, just he's as steady as can be. He was not not shooting it that well from deep, but he got his damage in, in other places, which is what we were actually used to from um from last year's version of Tyler. But I no, I, I love him. I love the fact that he um he he, he took the took a step back, usually he's taken around twenty shots, took sixteen, but did some um did some good work, turned the ball over a lot, but you know, he'll learn. Um Kyle Lowry is just taking a, that, that that step forward that we needed and it's finally happening at the end of the season to so just get him right and uh, and ready in time for playoffs, which is exactly where we need him just to, to perform the ways we're performing. Um, Shrews walking into the side lineup, there's been nothing short of the, probably the best, um, you know, guard change we've actually had this season. He's averaging 17... 17 points per game on 45% from three shooting in his starts. And I think we're 10 and two, no, 12 and two when he starts. So I uh, Duncan looks like he's in trouble. He's, he's extremely, he's had some really, really bad games. He's had some really rough, you know, rough stretches of the season. But uh, I think that the, the future's not too bright for Duncan.
1: Right. And then for you, Anthony, how do you feel? First of all, This is not a win I expected to get. It was very clear they were using this game to rest, you know, their stars. Jimmy rested. They finally convinced P.J. Tucker to rest. I know they've been wanting him to rest for a while now, but he was too stubborn. and wanted to play, which I respect. But the night before against Chicago, they literally shot 17 of 34 from three. They shot the lights out. So I expected them to come out really dead the next day and kind of have a poor shooting night. And they did to start. They were down 10 at halftime. But like George was saying, Max Struis gave us the bolt the jolt that we needed going to the second half. And fortunately, I was actually only able to watch the second half. Uh, And Struis' daddy must have known that because as soon as I turned it on, that man went seven of nine from three all in the second half. And yeah, Duncan looks like, you know, his rotation spot might be in trouble. But I don't really like how a lot of Heat fans are focusing on that. Like, we got Max Struis doing this incredible performance on, you know, such a nice contract. But all people can talk about is Duncan. You know, I just kind of want to enjoy what's good instead of focusing on what's bad. Uh, although you can tell how much more comfortable Struess looks out there than than uh, Duncan. Uh, but I just want to mention how hard a job Bo has to get this playoff rotation right. Because we kind of started to think that Vic was going to be winning out of the rotation. But how do you not play Vic after how he looked last night?
0: Right. And then how about you, Christian?
4: I just look at this win as such a well balanced win and a great indication of what could come in the postseason because Toronto is a postseason team. They do seem to have their full strength right now. So the fact that you had, it looks like, six players in double digits, one of them being Depot, having one of his better games of the season, that's very reassuring if you're a Miami fan. No Jimmy, no PJ, no Deadmond. And I think there was little cause for concern because of this game. The only thing I would say is towards the end when I was watching, I got a little bit nervous because Miami got sloppy with the ball. When Toronto was pressuring them, there were a couple of key turnovers and they were one made Van Vliet three away from a completely different game. So that's the only thing is when it comes to closing, you could play great the whole game. You could be hitting your shots, but you got to hit those timely shots towards the end of the game because against playoff teams that are a little bit more seasoned, You're going to run into issues like that. And then as far as just taking care of the ball, they had 17 turnovers. That's not a great number uh, as far as a winning game. Uh, But on the defensive end, they had four blocks, nine steals, uh, nothing too much to worry about there. And then the only other thing I'll say is they were 14 of 22 from the free throw line, 64%. So in a regular season scenario, that's all right. But in the playoffs, when those free throws and those points matter a little bit more, that's something to watch out for. Uh, On other notes, having Struess in the starting lineup, him dropping 23 is really impressive from a role player. It does look like he's taking over Duncan's spot. And then as far as everyone else, I think that it was just a really well-balanced game for Miami. And in the next three coming games, I think I could see them winning out for the season.
0: Right. I agree with that, too. You know, it seemed like Toronto was like, I guess you could say the last huge team left. I feel like these next three games should be winnable for Miami. And like, Orchard, what's on your mind when you look at this game?
3: I mean, I came into this game with an open mind. I wasn't really expecting us to win. And I i mean, I'm usually hopeful that we'll win. But, you know, I felt like there were so many factors going against us coming into this game because we're not a very good back-to-back team, for one thing. Um, you know, obviously, Jimmy was out, like everyone was saying. And there's a lot of emotion in this game. You know, Lowry's first return of Toronto since he was traded and and so on. So, you know, I was really impressed with this team. You know, we had a bit of a slow start, but I I actually prefer that because sometimes, I mean, a lot of this time this, this season, this team takes a huge lead at the halftime. And next thing you know, they blow it. So, you know, I'd rather they have a slow start and then they explode in the second half which is exactly what happened because they scored almost 70 points in the second half. Uh, Struz had a great game. I was very impressed with him, especially his three-point shooting, man. I was like, oh, my God. And then Oladipo, too, he had six triples. And that one shot from the logo, man, those two guys just went completely off. And, you know, Lowry, he was – I think I, I saw somewhere before that he wasn't sure how he was going to perform because he was a little, bit, a little bit excited and a little bit nervous. But I think he still did a great job. You know, uh, Hero, I I would say he was a little bit in the middle. Statistically, he did a great – he had a great stat line. But, you know, the turnovers could have been a little bit better. He had eight turnovers. But, I I mean, actually the one turnover that really annoyed me was the one at the end where he was trying to pass it and he he hit the heat side of the rim. And I was like, oh, my goodness. But, you know, besides that, I think Miami did an amazing job in the second half and I think as Krishna was saying, the free throw shooting needs to be better and the turnovers, turnovers need to be better, especially the free throws. You know, we got to close out better. And I think overall in the game, we shot 63 percent and we just could not make a free throw in the final couple of minutes. And, you know, uh, talk, talking about a little bit of bam, I I don't know what's up with his free throw shooting. You know, he's a 75 percent free throw shooter in general, but I feel like ever since his injury, his free throw shooting just has not been the same. So. You know, I feel like the one of the, our goals in the closing minutes to, should be to try to ha, avoid having uh, Bam with the ball so he doesn't have to shoot the free throws. And, yeah, overall, it's a huge win. We now have a two-game lead against Boston for the first seed.
0: Right. You know, for me, when I look at this game, you know, it just seems like such an impressive win for the Heat. You know, like, this seemed like the last major team that we had to go against. And I think, like, every other team that – we're playing against is either in the play-in right now or just eliminated from contention so that's something good to think about and overall like I'm just so glad to see how this Heat team was able to turn turn things around because like let's see you know we had that four game losing streak and then you know Spo goes in and he changes the rotation and it helped Miami so much and You know, although we were shorthanded, the fact that we were still able to take care of business and people were still able to come in and do their thing. I think this just shows, you know, how much of good hands we are in, you know, come playoff time. You know, like and I was just so happy to see Victor, you know, come in and have probably his best game in a heat uniform so far because, you know, everything happening and with it seeming like it's probably better for him to be out of the rotation since he was having such a hard time to get you know acclimated with the system and everything like for him to step in there and have 21 points especially hitting shots from the logo I believe it was you who said that orchard like it was just such a great feeling and I know he must be feeling really good and he should, especially when you think of everything he's been through, you know, these past couple of years. So it's just such a great thing to see. And overall, it was just such a great win. Like, I don't know how, like, even when you look at some of the mistakes that happened, like something you guys brought up was the turnovers. You know, I think as long as Miami can control that, you know, we should be good. And honestly, I think the fact that we were able to win the way we did even with the turnovers being a problem. I think it shows how resilient our team is and shows exactly how dominant we can be as long as we avoid these type of mistakes. So overall, it was a great win, and I'm glad you guys feel the same way. And like now I feel like it's time that we talk about this next specific topic, because we've seen so much from the Heat throughout these past 79 regular season games. And with the clock ticking before the playoffs officially start, the question like, needs to be asked right now, and that is, like, what will specifically be the Heat's strong points, and what will their areas of improvement will be once the postseason begins? And give us your thoughts, uh, Christian.
4: So I feel like there are a few strong points that really helped contribute to Miami's success during the regular season. I think the first one, and perhaps the most important one, is that Miami's a deep roster. Now, when we talk about deep rosters in the NBA, first up might be Phoenix and Memphis. But when you think about how Miami's done uh, for a majority of the season, including their injuries and just the, the bad luck that they've had as far as players being out, it's really impressive that they locked up the first seed in a super contentious Eastern conference where you have a surging team like Boston. You still have the defending champs, Milwaukee Bucks. You have Philadelphia with the free throw shooters. I mean, so I think that the fact that the Miami Heat have a lineup where you have role players like Struess, which I never would have expected to you know be dropping 15, 17 points a night over the past 10 games or so, uh, he's stepping up. You have still Victor Oladipo, who let's not forget, was really good with Orlando, was sensational with Indiana, and now he's starting to find his legs under him again, so he's going to be really good for Miami. And you still have your main three stars in Jimmy, Bam, and Kyle. So I think that the fact that anyone could really have themselves a night in a Miami uniform is really impressive and going to be a big contributing factor to their success in the playoffs. It also makes them a little bit harder to plan for because as far as coaching strategy, who are you going to try to defend? Because If you lock down Jimmy and Bam, there's no guarantee that Tyler's not going to go off for a 30-point night. So that's one of their areas of strength. Now, one of their areas of improvement, I will say, is there have been some confusing losses for the Miami Heat over the past 79 games. Certain games where the teams opposing team stars have been out uh, or injured, and Miami, for some reason, with their full-strength lineup, tends to lose those. I think that uh, the uh, mentality for Miami has to be just a a strike first mentality. They got to make sure that they get the other team down. And when they get them down, they keep them down because Miami is also notorious for letting teams come back in the third and fourth quarter and overtaking them and then losing those games. So I think that the main thing would be just to close effectively and to make sure that they don't underestimate their competition. I think those are their two biggest areas of improvement. Another strength of Miami, I think is just the mental toughness though. The fact that they're a really gritty lineup. When I think of Jimmy Butler and PJ Tucker, those are two of the most physical and bouted players in the NBA. So uh, I'm really confident with them in the area of physicality and mental toughness. So aside from that, I think that Miami should be looking forward to a pretty successful playoff run. Uh, There aren't too many teams that could match Miami as far as talent level and then just overall mental toughness. And as long as Miami makes sure to get those free throws in check, um, stop turning over the ball later in games, and just not underestimating their competition, there's a really good chance they can make it to the conference finals and beyond to the NBA
0: finals. Great. Right. And what's your take, Anthony?
1: Well, for uh, as far as their strong points, I just want to give some credit to Coach Folstra. I think having a coach, actually one of the top great uh, top 15 coaches of all time, I think that's going to be absolutely huge come playoff time, especially when it comes to developing offensive and defensive schemes. That's going to go a long way, especially facing a team like Brooklyn with a rookie head coach and Steve Nash. So I just want to show him some love, and I think that's going to go a long way. And real quick, as far as areas of improvement, I want to talk about Jimmy's shot selection slash three-point attempts. Obviously, he's been ramping that up you know, over these last couple weeks, and he's been hitting a couple. I still don't like it. The form looked okay last night, but I just know I'm going to get frustrated come playoff time when he takes four threes in the fourth quarter, bricks them all, and we lose a close playoff game. So his shot selection says late game execution. I'll say that's an area of improvement. And then strong point, just coaching overall. And shout out to Chris Quinn getting his first uh, win last night as well. So that's what I would say. Right. And you, George?
2: Yeah, no, we've had a whole season to um to deduct our strengths and weaknesses. We've seen a lot. We've – um. We put this team through the ringer because you know we've we've played short short handed. We've played with ten day contracts. We've um we've played with different coaches. You know, while, while Sposh has been out, you know, we, we get we've, we've had so many challenges throughout the whole season. I think it's it's a safe bet to really um be able to put a finger on the things that we needed to 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 fix. We learned that Duncan wasn't good enough for this for the starting lineup. It just it it's just not there. There's a there's a guy that was on the bench that was clearly better than, than him for the job. So we we learned, we learned. So I think in the last few games what we've seen as well is that his rotation needs to include players like um players like Victor Depot because he gives you just so much more of of what you want on the team is which is a scorer that can that can also defend at a good level. So I'm not calling him you know the second coming of Michael Jordan. I'm just saying that he's capable. Of doing these things as well, so no, I I think that if I'm going to put all of our strengths and weaknesses together, um, I think our biggest strength at the moment is our uh, lineup, is is our depth and 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 the coach that goes with it and trying to figuring it out. So you know we've got so many so many shooters, but we, we've we've proved that these guys can score at a high level. So Carl Larry taking a step forward as well alongside Jimmy Bam, PJ who's really actually been a massive bright spot for this team all year. Um these players really know what's up, they know what's what's required of them, what what what's in front of us, the challenges. Um but if we're gonna look at be serious with ourselves and look at the, the weaknesses, because there are some our late game execution execution is crap. <laughs> it's it's not good. It's quite it's quite mediocre at best from what we've seen. Now playoff balls are completely different demon. Um, do I think we improve? A hundred percent, we've improved throughout the season. But you know, we lost three games or four games in a row, and the entire team crumbled, as in the entire fan base crumbled around the the entire team. And now we've done this, and everyone's back on. So, look, I think it's not it's not the biggest problem in the world, but it's something that you do need to address um, because if you're if you're versing a team like Milwaukee. They, we, we've they've proved it to us last time we versus them um they are ruthless when it comes to the, the final 40 seconds of the game the final minute because that's the time to shine um so it's just about getting it all together um not trying not to be in that situation if if you can help it but if you can't if you can't help it you're and you're down to or up to with a minute to go th- th- there's there's things we can and can't do uh but Special will have to guide them through the through the dock to show them the lot.
3: Right. And then what's on your mind, Orchard?
2: Well, I'm kind of
3: like I'm kind of stuck here because I feel like Miami is just at some points, they just can stay consistent. So you could say that all their weaknesses are also their strengths, and all their strengths are also their weaknesses. But you know, if I had to like separate them, I would say that the strongest uh strengths for Miami probably you know, three-point shooting. I feel like when they are being consistent. They're, they're unstoppable. Like the last couple of games, we have been exploding from the three-point line. Uh, our rebounding is also amazing. And not to mention when we do rebound well, we actually, I think we have a very good record when we rebound well. Uh, and then looking more into depth, the bench unit. I mean, I think the bench unit, I think we're number one in the league in most points per game from the bench. I mean, they have been phenomenal this year. I mean, Last year, a lot of these guys weren't getting We barely saw a lot, of, a lot of these guys last year, and they've taken on such big roles this year, like Gabe Vincent, Max Struz, I mean, and even Victor Oladipo. I mean, he didn't play much last year, but the fact that he's already come back and he's looking great, I'm not, I'm not going to make assumptions that he's amazing already, but, I mean, just looking at the couple of games he's played, he's, he's really impressed me. So I think our bench unit has, is definitely one of Miami's strengths, and it's going to be a key in the playoffs. And our defense, I mean, I think I think our defense is amazing. And I think we can lock up superstars really well. I want to take a couple of games, for example, like the when we played the Warriors, we did lose both games against them. But I think one thing to mention was that we I think both games, we held Curry to under 15 points. And that is extremely impressive. And then, you know, against the Bulls, we held DeMar DeRozan uh, below his uh, average points per game. But with that being said, I want to actually take on the weaknesses is defending non superstar players because I feel like we see a pattern where a lot of non superstar players end up like scoring a ton of points. And, you know, we have to consistently defend everyone well. Um, and other weaknesses, I think, as everyone has been mentioning, you know, turnovers. I think we're one of the worst teams in the league in terms of turnovers. Um, and I think we had 17 against Toronto, which is awful. And, you know, besides that, it's as, it's, as, it's as everyone's mentioning, you know, consistently score a good amount of points in each quarter can't have we can't score like 30, 30, 30 in the first three quarters. And then we score like 11 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, I'd rather we consistently consistently put up like 25 points per quarter. And then, of course, closing games. I mean, something that we've been struggling with all season long. We've lost a ton of games when we don't close out. Well, I don't even think we closed out yesterday's game very well. And so and in the playoffs, it's a lot more intensity. And the teams we go against are going to play a lot harder. And if we can't close out games, we're definitely not going to luck out and get a small victory in the end. So, you know, again, it's about this team staying consistent because when they're consistent, their, their weaknesses are their strengths. And sometimes their strengths are their weaknesses.
0: Right. I agree. And you know what? So I want to go back to something that I said like a few pods ago and it was that I feel like this is a heat team that can easily flip the switch, you know, because, you know, I, I want, one thing that I want to go back on that I did bring up in that specific pod was when we made it to the finals in the, you know, in the bubble, you know, because before that Miami did have some questionable losses. They did blow some key leads late in the game and would end up losing you know, and it would be against trash teams. You know, I remember there was a time where we lost to Cleveland on the road and lost to a Min- a Minnesota team that was like worst in the league at the time. You know, we had those type of losses, but you know, you wouldn't know about that come playoff time because Miami flipped the switch and they were this completely different team. You know, you couldn't even tell who they were anymore because they were just playing that amazing. So That's the kind of the mentality I have heading into the playoffs this year. I think that this is a team that will be able to flip the switch and like problems like what we're seeing with, you know, keeping the lead and stuff. I think that's something that the Heat will try to avoid, you know, try to avoid blowing those type of leads and, you know, they'll be more capable of being able to hang on to it. And overall, like, I just simply want to see how Jimmy shines. You know, I know something that Anthony mentioned was the three-point shooting. And, you know, it was crazy because even if, like, Jimmy wasn't making his threes, you know, it still didn't stop him from doing some amazing things come playoff time because, you know, he had a 40-point triple-double against LeBron. And what's so crazy about it was that he didn't even shoot a single three to get there. And that's and stuff like that that makes him such a great player, so you know for Jimmy, you know whether if he's making the threes or not, you know, I still expect to see the very best from him, you know, and I expect the playoffs to be his moment, so overall, you know you guys mentioned the weak points. I'm gonna try not to look too deep into that, you know I just want to see how good the heat will be once they flip that switch, but know everything you guys brought up is really accurate and something that is really important to see come playoff time you know will the heat be able to avoid you know blowing those type of leads you know can they you know be good and be consistent you know this will all be something important to think about and see if those problems can be addressed once they flip that switch Anyways, you know, moving on, I now want to head into this next topic, and it's something that we haven't talked about in a while because, you know, we were on the losing streak, so it didn't seem right to really talk about it, but now that we're officially away from that with the Heat being on this four-game winning streak, it's now time to bring back the segment of Spotlight Heat Player of the Week. So after seeing the way the Heat have played this past week, going undefeated since our last episode, it's time to figure out who deserves to be the new spotlight Heat player of the week. So with all that being said, um, who's your pick, uh, Orchard?
3: I, I got to go with Max Struess. I mean, I-, I can't think of anyone else to choose at this moment. Not that everyone hasn't been playing well, but I feel like Max Struess has just, just like shocked the entire league right now you know, he's taking on the starting role and I'm pretty sure, I mean, we've, we've won all the games so far when he starts um, in the last couple of games, of course, I know that we're 12 and two overall with him in the starting lineup, but, you know, just like his journey, you know, last season, we saw him play a little bit. We got a small sample of him and we saw the potential, but, you know, I didn't know it would go this far into which we'd rely on him as a, as a starter. And I remember last season, I remember last season. I was really hoping we'd see him a little more this season. I think the last time we really got to see consistent minutes from him was against the Lakers, in which he was struggling a little bit. And then after that, we didn't really see him much in the rotation. But you know, just to see how much he's improved since then is absolutely amazing. And he's made such big plays in the last couple of games. And overall, this season, I mean, I, I want to talk going a little back into the season, I want to talk about the game against the Bucks. I mean, we, I remember he, he went off in the fourth quarter, just three, 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 three. And he has just become a consistent scorer for us. He made game-winning plays against Boston. He took that offensive foul against Jason Tatum in the final minutes. And overall, man, I, I, can't, believe, I can't believe he's doing this. This is absolutely impressive. And I hope he continues to do it uh, come playoff time.
1: Right. And how about you, Anthony? Well, I always like to pick someone a little different for spotlight player of the week. Uh, So I'm going to go with friend of the show slash almost friend of the show, Kyle Guy. He sacrificed himself so Michael Mulder could fly. He sacrificed himself for uh, our championship chances this year. We'll never forget your contributions, Kyle Guy. Heat Nation loves you. I'm glad to see you're balling out of the G League. Uh, Hope someone picks you up soon.
0: (laughs) Actually, he was picked up, though. I think he's now on um, the Cleveland's uh, G League team. So there's that. And um, how about you, George?
2: Man, you're so disrespectful to Orlando Magic uh legend Michael Mulder, who's um who's basically Fred Van Lee Jr. But no, I'm just joking. Okay. Um, this is probably the hardest heat play of the week we've had to do because the the everyone looks at like from the outside of the situation in and they look and they see Max Strews. guys Guy who's coming to the starting lineup, giving us a massive boost, um, giving us everything. Um, that we could have wanted from a starting shooting guard, but you're looking at a team that Tyler has also started performing again after having a cold a cold game and then his games off. But then you got to look at Kayla Martin, who was playing, you know, great before the injury. His injury. Then you got to look at Victor Oladipo, who's just come in and had a game that we wanted him to have when we when we traded for him back when he was healthy. So. I'm I'm going to say probably you know, I'm going to say Max Truce as well, just because it's it's the safe choice. But you could easily go for Victor Depot as well. Um I was going to go back to a, a small topic we were talking about before, uh, just just very very quickly. The the Heat uh fourth in defensive rating and twelfth in offensive rating. But I'm actually really surprised that if you look at our 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 numbers offensively. Do you think this team can win when 42% of our shots come from three and and we're not shooting enough from mid-range? Because that's where Jimmy really, really comes into his own. So I just want to ask you guys a question. Do you think we can win to not play to our strengths and play more to a three-point game? I mean, personally,
3: I don't know if we can. I, I don't know, to be honest with you, because I'm stuck. Because consider, I mean, looking at our season, sometimes we don't shoot well from three. So, are, are we assuming that? Are we assuming that they're only shooting well from three? Because if that's the case, I, I don't. I still don't think so. I feel like one of the team's strength is attacking the basket, um, shooting mid-range jumpers. So personally, I, I don't think if we relied, if we just relied on three-point shooting, I think we wouldn't do that well.
4: I kind of disagree with that. I think that three-point shooting has become such a big part of today's NBA. And if you're shooting it efficiently and you have your stars going with Jimmy Butler shooting well from three, and now you're starting lineup with Struce in it, he's shooting really well from three. I said before in a previous podcast that looking at the Miami heats wins over the past season, three is key. When you starting lineup and team is shooting really, really well from three, it's very hard to beat you. And that's part of what contributed to getting the first seed. Uh, and then as long as you guys can keep a modest three point percentage as a team, it's going to be really hard to beat you just in the postseason as well, because when you attract the defense towards the interior, when Jimmy's in the mid-range or Bam's backing down in the post, all of a sudden that opens up really great opportunities for players like Tyler, Duncan, Struce, all to start uh, hitting from three. So I think the three-pointer is way, way important for Miami, and it's going to be a big contributor to the postseason.
0: Right. You know, like for me personally, it's very interesting to think about like when you look at it, I mean, as long as the threes can fall, it's always good, you know, as, but at the same time for Jimmy personally, like, I think as long as Jimmy can be able to succeed despite whatever is going on behind them, you know, that's what's important. So overall, like, I, I'm always going to trust what Spo is going to do, you know, I think, Spo has the weapons that are needed to win a championship this year. So if he feels that shooting the threes is necessary, then go go for it, you know. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm all about what's best for the team. And sometimes we might get frustrated, you know, if we do feel like, you know, the he are constantly pulling up from three or whatever. But, you know, overall, you know, like I said, I'm just going to trust what, you know, Spo decides to have the team do, and you know, I understand everyone is capable of making mistakes here and there. But you know, I know playoff time. You know, Spo is going to be ready, and he knows what he has to do. So, you know, by all means, just trust Spo and see what you know he decides to have his team do. You know, in that pivotal playoff game, whoever it's going to be against. So that's basically my take. And then let's see, a uh, Christian, who's your spotlight Heat player of the week?
4: My spotlight heat player is none other than Kyle Lowry. He has been amazing for Miami over the past four game stretch. So in the game against the Kings, he only scored nine points. But then if you look at the rest of the games, he scored 19, 23, 17. So he's scoring in the, uh, you know, 19 to 20 range. He's probably averaging close to 20 points a game, but also over that stretch, he averaged 8.5 assists which is fantastic. That's exactly what Miami needs. As far as an offense that is more three-point dominant, it's finding the open man, moving the ball around, and then getting the three-point shot. So I'm really impressed with Lowry and his assist numbers, and I hope he can keep it up because that's going to be one of the major things going into the postseason. I also saw a statistic uh, of Kyle Lowry when he played with Toronto and his career averages with them, they were just above 17 points per game. And then his shooting percentages were also, you know, for three-point, it was like 35, 36. Uh, with Miami, he's actually elevated those numbers slightly. So he's scoring a little bit more. He's assisting the ball a little bit more. Uh, and he's shooting the ball better, which is amazing to see because he is a little bit older compared to the relative age of other point guards in the NBA. But he's able to elevate his game and his numbers in a Miami uniform so I think over this past stretch Kyle Lowry has been pivotal to getting those big scores when you need them and just facilitating the offense as a whole
0: right and you know those are all good choices and I'm gonna make it different by talking about Victor Oladipo yet again I'm gonna give it to him even though he really only played one game this past week I'm just so happy to see him play again you know to have him Come out there and have 21 points and getting it done on both ends of the floor. Like, it's just such a great thing to see. And I know I already said that before, but it's so true, though. Like, oh my gosh, you know, Victor, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen because, you know, at the end of the day, and I know some people are calling from the get minutes come playoff time, and it will be interesting to see what Spo does. I mean, because here was the thing, right? The thing for. Uh, victor is that you know he was in a game where we didn't have jimmy we didn't have gabe and you know with those guys being out that alone gave him enough more than enough of an opportunity to get some minutes so you know when all those guys come back we'll see what exactly happens but you know overall you know we don't know exactly how much of an opportunity we'll get to see victor play but you know for me personally i'm enjoying every single second of it and that's what i did you know watching this last game against toronto and you know overall that was a great um what's it called segment and you know before we close out um, spotlight heat player of the week um if you're listening to this on the five reasons sports network youtube channel uh we'd love to hear your spotlight heat player of the week as well so please comment down below and tell us who you think deserves that honor so you know we've been talking about a lot but before we close it out before we head into that preview against the hornets i feel like it's time to talk about the heat muse stat of the week um, before we get into it, make sure to follow Heat Muse on Twitter for all Miami Heat stats. His handle is Heat M-U-S-E. So anyways, the Miami Heat are 12-2 when Max Bruce is in the starting lineup and 4-0 and since he replaced Duncan as the starter. Max has averaged 16.9 points per game, 3.9 rebounds per game. 1.6 assists per game while shooting 47.9% from the field and shooting 45.9% from three on 9.6 attempts. He also has a plus 5.3 average and plays 30 minutes a game. With all that being said, what do you guys make of these stats for Struz? Uh, give us your thoughts, George. Um,
2: I, I'm i in love with the Struz experiment because it's the perfect example of staying ready. So you don't have to get ready when there's something not working on the team. Swalstra is so quick to make changes and and plans to, um to really change the, change the outcome of, of the, traje- tra- the trajectory that we're on at that point in time, the emergence. Um, I think he stat, uh, sorry, stats are only so useful when trying to put a number on a player um, or, or like a or an efficiency rating, things like that. I think the emergence of, of Lowry has really, really helped him as well because he spaces the floor and gets to a shot and has a really quick release and, and, and can get keep going just like that. But Struess is exactly the type of player we need in that lineup to really space the floor, to really take some pressure off Jimmy to, the, to get to his mid-range shots so he's not taking those those traumatizing threes. That literally makes me want to want to kick myself in the face, but gives also Bam the opportunity to get in the post, and and, and he defends at a really really good level. We f- we saw that against the Celtics, he clamped Tatum in the in the fourth. And they were blo- they were blowing open layups as well. I can't say it was hundred percent all defense. It was themselves beating themselves as well. But Struess has come into this lineup. Uh, and replace a pretty inefficient and outperforming Duncan Robinson, who we, who we gave the bag to, which we, we chose him over, over Demar DeRozan, by the way. So that's an L, but it is what it is. Duncan is not a bad player by any stretch of the imagination. I think he's lost a lot of confidence from last year. I think the expectation that comes with, with signing that close to $20 million a season contract really, really got to him. So, I don't think that he's in any sort of trouble. I just feel like Struce walking into the lineup really, really helped him more than than, than he thinks. So um gives him a, a chance to come off the bench now. There's no chance that sponsor doesn't play him. He'll be part of that second unit with Tyler and um, and Dwayne Demon and guys like that. So look, I, I don't I don't think this is the end for someone like Duncan, but this is the start of something for Max Struess to really prove himself. But I always say this on every pod, the, the, the more people we start to see performing, the more people are going to want more money. So it's going to be really interesting come contract time to see who we're actually going to pay, who's going to stay, who's going to go. So we can't really have everyone on 11 to $12 million dollar contracts, even though that would be quite nice. We're paying three guys basically $100 million in Lowry, Bam, and, and Jimmy. So look, it's interesting. To see what's going to come, but as we stand right now, this is the best roster, and the best thing um, you know we've seen from Struis, the best stretch of games we've seen for him, and the best is yet to come.
0: Right,
1: and then Anthony, what's your take, man? George, you already talking about contracts and the off season, man. Let's let's win a championship <laughs> first, man, and then let's worry about all that. It, it is a great point. It, it really is a great point, but. The Heat usually always find the next guy. So uh, we'll see what happens when the time comes. But I'm the last person that you have to convince when it comes to Max Strews. Those stats from Heat News certainly don't surprise me. We do something on my channel all the time since the beginning of the season called Strews Daddy Alerts. Uh, shout out to my boys in the Miami Heat Discord. They have or We're about to have an official Strews Daddy emo in the Discord because uh, we love Max Strews. We love what he brings. I'm not ready to say he's a great defender yet. But I am ready to say that he's gotten a lot better as the seasons went on. He's always been very good at rotating on defense and getting charges, which is not a very easy easy thing to do. That takes a lot of IQ. So if he can continue to get better there and keep hitting the shot like he has been, I mean, he's quite literally a perfect fit in this starting lineup. Hence why they're 12-2 and two when he is a starter. Right. And then how about you, Christian?
4: I think this is really beneficial for Miami and Struess. Uh, As far as the numbers this season, um, over the past couple of games, they are elevated. The fact that Miami has been successful with him in the starting lineup being 12-2, and that's definitely not a fluke. The one thing I would be concerned about is, can this be Struz's normal production, or is this because there have been people in and out of the lineup and a couple changes here and there that that's why he's averaging these numbers? Now, uh, as far as career wise, he averages 8.8 points per game on 38.8% shooting from three over this stretch. He's averaged just under 17 points per game with 45.9% from three. So I'm trying to see if this is going to be Struis's sort of breakout. Hey, I'm here into the NBA, or if these numbers are going to go back a little bit more towards the mean. I think that Struis could be a great three-point shooter, a great stretch option for Miami. And if he can, you know, develop his three-point shot to consistently shoot at around this number, 45.9%, even if he's only taking three or four threes a game, that's really going to help Miami. So it's definitely a good sign to see that uh, Miami has been four and since he replaced Duncan and just Strews popping off. I mean, <laughs> the Struess is loose is uh, one of the things I've heard Miami fans say recently and that couldn't be more true he's
3: loose he's able to shoot the ball and he's leading Miami to wins which is the most important thing right and you Orchard I'm gonna keep it pretty short because I think everyone has pretty much covered everything and I did talk about screws for my spotlight key player of the week so I mean I mean ever since he entered our starting lineup since our four game losing streak he has been incredible and I'm really happy with this production and, you know, I hope he can continue to do this in the playoffs. And that's pretty much all I have to say. I think I talked a lot about Max. Right.
0: You know, for me personally, you know, it would have been so cool to do, you know, a pod like immediately after that game against the Celtics because like, man, he was all over the place. And overall, like the dude has just been playing so good. And I know earlier in the season, he had had a great stretch where he was starting and we were constantly winning. And I think it was after that first loss we had with him in the starting lineup after winning so many games with him. Like that was when we went back to having Duncan as the starter. But overall, you know, I feel like Struz is just perfect for this lineup. And, you know, he's not afraid for the big moments. You know, he's not afraid to shoot that three. And you love to see that fearlessness. And overall, you know, what we've seen so far with him starting in these past couple games, you know, and having Duncan on the bench, it's just shown so much, especially because we haven't lost a game yet since that happened. And, you know, we'll see what happens as we continue on with these final three games and with the playoffs coming soon. I don't want to jinx it, so I'm not going to say too much regarding the Heat being undefeated and with Struess being in their lineup, so... Yeah. And that's basically it. You know, I love to see it from Struis. You know, he's had a great story. And let's see how far his revenge tour goes. So now that we've addressed that, it's, fun, it's time for the final topic of the day. And it's time to talk about Game 80 for the Heat as they'll be playing the Hornets. So just in case y'all didn't know, the Hornets recently clinched a berth in the plan and they have not been able to beat Miami in their last three matchups this season, giving the Heat the opportunity to sweep them come this upcoming game. So with Miami getting closer and closer and clinching the first seed in the Eastern Conference and the Hornets team that is trying to find themselves in a good position by the time the play-in starts, do you guys see the Heat taking care of business against them yet again? Tell us your take, Christian.
4: I think that's a hard yes for me. The Hornets have been doing well as of late, and they are a play-in team, so they're a potential first-round matchup for Miami. But just as Miami handled business in the first three games against the Hornets this season, I think they're going to do the same for this game, especially having just as many players as you can uh, in double digits. That's what Miami tends to do. Uh, You know, there might be one or two performances that stick out as far as key performances. But I think as far as containing the Hornets with uh, LaMelo and Bridges, it's not going to be too difficult for Miami. And I think that if Miami was looking to see who they would get as a first round matchup is the most favorable one. Uh, I would say out of the play in teams, Charlotte would probably be the most favorable for Miami. Uh, they seemed like they'll kind of go over pretty lightly. Uh, they do have a flashy offense led by LaMelo, but I don't think that there's too much that the Charlotte team can do to Miami. As long as Miami sticks to the game plan, limits
3: the turnovers and starts hitting a couple more free throws.
0: Right. And you orchard.
3: Um, you know, currently I just I was looking and Charlotte has no one on their injury report. So I think they're going to definitely put on a show tomorrow because it's, I mean, they I don't I'm pretty sure they want to avoid playing the Nets as I think that that's who their matchup would be at the moment if they if the play are are right now. So they're definitely going to be looking for that win. Um, this would be a big win for us because we're currently we're currently two games ahead of Boston and we could extend that to three. Uh, but you know, one thing to mention is that if we were to lose this game, I don't think it would be the end of the world because Boston does have a bit of a tough schedule to close out. Other uh, two out of their last three games are against top three seeds in both conferences. So if we were to lose this game, I wouldn't be too upset. But you know, I, I think we, I think we got this. You know, as Krishna was saying, as long as we hit our free throws for goodness' sake, um, limit turnovers, and close out the game well, or don't blow a lead like it's like I've been always saying I'd rather we have slow starts and then do a little bit of catch up in the second half because when we when we start off really strong we tend to get a little tired and then we we can't get any defensive stuff because everyone is a little bit slow back on defense so I just don't blow a lead please other than that I think Miami should take the win and if they don't hey I'm totally okay with it
0: Right, I agree hundred percent. And then let's see, George. How about you?
2: Yeah, um, this is actually a really, really interesting game because on both sides you got two teams that, you, on one side, Miami, like Ultra um, was saying, we don't necessarily need the win, but it'd be nice to keep the winning streak going and, and walk into, you know, the playoffs. A team that hasn't lost in a week, you know, two weeks, so or a week and a half. So that's it's a big for our confidence to win. Uh, I, I posted before, there's an injury update. Denman, Lowry, Martin, Morris, Tucker, Vincent are all questionable for tomorrow. Uh, I believe that more than half of them will probably miss out on that game just just for general rest reasons. But this is a game, if you're Charlotte, you need to win. So if if we end up sitting all those players, I'm not saying we're food because <laughs> they're still going to have the hardest time trying to beat us because they haven't beat us before. And... They're going to have to do everything right. They're a team that turns the ball over in, in, you know, really, really important situations. They're a team that isn't as efficient as they want to be. We've seen that in the games we've played against them recently. I I think that if you're Charlotte, you need to win as much as possible because you don't want to verse Brooklyn, (laughs) you know, in the 9-10 knockout game. You really don't. So they'd rather be going against Cleveland. Or be that that eight that eight seed to to get the double chance as well, but yeah, this is a game. If you're Charlotte, you need to win. This is a game for Miami. You need you need confidence. But I I still think that we win the game because Tyler Hero is their official kill, killer. He owns their franchise. Jimmy will will be playing. Ben will be playing. So you know you got your core there, and you know we we've been talking about it the entire stream. Our, our team runs that deep that even if we were missing all those players. I really don't think that there'd, there'd be a um you know a massive problem. We might even see a Tyler Hero start because who's playing point guard besides if, if Vincent and Lowry are out? We don't know who's playing point guard, but I'm going off topic. There's yeah, so this is the it's it's a game for Charlotte. You need to win in the heat. It's just gonna be fun to watch whoever we're gonna chuck out there. Hopefully we can get the dub as well, stay ahead of the curb because Milwaukee and 76ers have a game in hand as well. We're two in front of Boston now, but yeah, I really, really want to walk into this as the eighth, as the first seed,
1: right? And then uh, let's see. I, Anthony, you. Well, you know, I don't usually do this, but I'm actually going to pick Charlotte for this game. Same reasons as everybody else said. Charlotte just has a lot more to play for than Miami, and like George said, I expect most of those guys from Miami to be out. Of course, doesn't mean that they can win. We've seen them win plenty of shorthanded games, but. Just the level of intensity is going to be so different between these teams. I think Charlotte's going to really be gunning for it because they have a lot more to play for than us. Uh, and again, not a big deal. Uh, still got two more games left. If you win both of them or one or two, you're still sitting in good shape to get the number one seed. And on top of that, with the Charlotte win, it's going to make it even tougher for, for Brooklyn to jump out of 10. So my further prediction is that they finish 10, losing the play-in, miss the playoffs just like the Lakers will. And then ESPN can finally shut up about both of those teams which I think will all, will make all of us, except Christian, very happy.
0: Um. Okay. And uh, Orchard, I know you got something you want to add.
3: Just want to give you guys a quick reminder that Malik Monk doesn't play for the Hornets anymore. Just want to let that – I just want to keep that out there. Who said Malik Monk?
0: <laughs> yep. He a part of that train wreck that is the Lakers as well. So, anyways, you know, we talked about a lot in today's episode. I mean – You know, it's very pleasing to see what the Heat has been able to do. And I can't wait to see what happens these next three games. So, you know, before we close it out, um, make sure to check out our Twitter and Instagram page at HVTW Podcast while checking out our website at HVTWpodcast.wordpress.com. And to add on, make sure to be on the lookout for our Miami Heat End of the Season Awards, where you, the listeners, get to vote on specific categories like the Heat's Most Valuable Player defensive player of the year breakout player of the year along with many other categories that you guys will love because since the media wants to make the most terrible choices for these awards we feel that it's only right that we let the most intelligent fan base in the nba decide for themselves and that's none other than keat nation so for more information make sure to stay updated with our twitter account at podcasts to learn about the other categories and to place your votes when the awards take place anyways thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the heat versus the world podcast and we'll see you guys soon with another episode hit my music because we out
4: thank you for listening and we'll see you next time with a brand new episode
1: of the Heat vs. the World podcast.